Hey everybody, this is Derek Schmidt. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Bootcamp Podcast. Today I'm very excited to share our special guest with you, David Reeser, who is the co-founder and CEO of Opiate. And today we're gonna to talk about how to increase your sales in your business. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Bootcamp Podcast. I'm your host and portfolio entrepreneur, Derek Schmidt. Today we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business based on real life experiences and practical advice from other entrepreneurs. So David, why don't you take a second and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, well thanks Derek for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, my name is David Reeser and uh, I'm CEO of IT Works Wilmington. I'm also CEO and co-founder of Opiate. Uh, Opiate is a data science company creating innovative solutions to addiction treatment. Uh, I also happen to be a professional sales trainer, and I guess that's the reason why Derek invited me onto the show today. Um, I've worked with a number of medical device companies uh, to create go-to market strategies and, and train their salespeople uh, in effectively selling all types of devices and uh, services. Uh, I speak uh, quite often at small business centers in North Carolina, uh, as well as come in as a, a guest speaker and teacher at the University of North Carolina Wilmington, uh, mostly their entrepreneurship classes to teach sales. And the, the reason I love sales is because I believe that it's, it's the most important activity that we do in business. Uh, without sales, all the product and services that, that we have to offer our community, offer others, uh, would go to waste and would sit inside of a storage shed if it wasn't for the people that get out there and make sure that the uh, transaction happens. Um, what's different about the way I approach sales is that I do it in a uniquely positive way. I teach a strategy that allows you to always put your client first so that you feel good about the sale and they do too. And I help people change the way they think about themselves and the way they view sales because it's a uniquely positive activity that also happens to be profitable. And it's usually the last mile in being able to be successful in business. So I'm so very happy that you invited me on the show today, and I hope that I can bring some value and that somebody learns something that's going to affect their business in a positive way. I'm sure they will. Thank you again for joining us. So um, we'll jump right into the questions. Um, and I'll start with the most generic, general question of all. Uh, what are some ways that somebody can maximize sales? Sure. So in my opinion, there are some things that have to happen before you're talking about maximizing sales. Mm -hmm. First of all, you need to truly understand who your ideal client is. What, what the mistake that we make in business a lot is that we believe we have a product or service that has value, but we never dif distinctly or clearly define who we're trying to sell to. And before, if you do not clearly define who you're selling to, your product becomes basically vanilla. You, you start screaming into the noise. But the more clearly you understand who you need to be talking to, the better you can craft what you need to say to understand about them so that you can speak directly to the challenges they're having and be more effective in your sale. So if you're going to be very effective and maximize your sales, there's four things you're going to need to know. The first thing is you have to clearly define what your product or service is. Clearly define it. You have to clearly uh, define right down on paper, be incredibly detailed, as detailed as you can be about who your ideal client is. And if you're questioning who your ideal client is, your ideal client is a client that is one, enjoyable to work with, uh, two, you understand uh, the unique challenge that they're experiencing, uh, and three, they're profitable. 
So if you're, you can make money with them, you understand the challenges they have, you have something unique for them, um, and you enjoy working with them, that's your ideal client. That's your ideal client. And then the other thing you need is you have to understand what your product or service means to them. What does it mean to them? And then finally, finally, you have to understand what's unique. What are you doing that's unique? You can have a hundred competitors and they can all be selling the same product and that's okay. There has to be something unique about what you do so that you can speak to that client in, in a way that's going to be maximally effective. I call them the four pillars. If you have your four pillars nailed, you're going to be way more effective at maximizing sales. It's going to, it'll completely change the paradigm of your sales. Honest to God. Yeah, I definitely, I come from uh, more of a marketing background, but in marketing, uh, you definitely want to talk to somebody's pain points. And so it sounds like that's very similar. Uh, you want to find out like what pains they're having and then how you can uniquely solve those pain points. So based on what you said, it sounds like there are a lot of similarities there. Oh, absolutely. In fact, this is how the human mind has never changed. The way we sell changes all the time with technology is how we consume information. That's mm-hmm. always changing. You know, that's, that's the thing that never changes. The human mind doesn't change. We make decisions the same way we did 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 3,000 years ago. You know, my background is in healthcare. Derek, I don't even know if you know this. I spent 15 years in direct patient care. I'm an expert in cross-sectional anatomy, human physiology. Like, wow. that's, that, was my, that was my specialty for many years. So I know exactly how the brain works. So long story short is this. Um, we make decisions. We, we buy emotionally. We make decisions intellectually. We buy emotionally. We make decisions intellectually. The mm-hmm. child's portion of the mind says, I want it. The adult portion of the brain says, can we afford it? People buy emotionally. It's never changed. So if you follow four steps, you can build a very smooth and repeatable sales process. It starts with your four pillars we just talked about. And then the four steps are build rapport, which means build a bridge. You know, rapport is uh, know, like, and trust. We get to know each other. This transfer of confidence happens as we talk and I get to know you, which I have a very specific process for. And it's super easy to do. We get to know each other. We build a process uh, or we build a bridge of communication, know, like, and trust, transfer of confidence. I become your expert. Step two is find pain, right? Pain is, is defined as need or want, but it's not just pain as in I need something, I'm hurting, I need you to come fix it. People also buy for future gain, for a future that they want to have. So they may not have any current issues, but they want to have this other more desirable future for themselves. Some people buy for that. And then the third step in my, my sales process is solution. We offer a solution that's congruent to their need or want. It's the same size, the same shape, the same price, the same texture, the same weight as the, as the challenge that we identified. And then close, which is very simply, how do we go ahead and do business? How do we move on to that next step where we have a transaction occurs? It's four steps. That's great. Poor, pain solution close keeping it simple but yes people buy the exact same way so i guess um how would you if somebody was you know they're pretty decent at selling locally in their geographic area right how could you help somebody or what advice would you have for somebody to start selling like across the nation right so we're in north carolina but let's say i wanted to sell somebody in california it's Obviously, I can't go meet them at a networking group and accidentally run into them uh, and start a dialogue. You know, what, 
what do you suggest are some ways to, to try to sell, I guess, over state lines? Sure. So I do this all the time. My business IT works. Most of my clients are out of state. Many of them I've never met before. So I've obviously have done this and some of them I've never seen them even through a zoom call. It's all been phone calls. I've actually sold a franchise one time without ever meeting the person, a franchise. Wow. So the, the point is this, it can be done, right? The, 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 where you need to start is you have to understand your mutual connections to this, this person. You got to do more research. If they're out of state and you have no relationship, you have to do more research. Mm -hmm. You have to understand who you're, who you're trying to reach, what it is that you could potentially do for them. And, and try to identify at least one connection that you have to that individual. Hopefully it's a person, but if it's not, maybe it's a cause. Okay. Right? Something that, that, that builds that bridge that they could somehow see similarities between you, that you have more in common than you have not in common. And be targeted for the love of all that's good. Don't, don't call them and not do your research. Don't say their name wrong if they have a difficult name. You know, don't talk about something that you really don't understand. Whatever you do, do it with integrity. Yeah, that's yeah. what I believe in and with sales and, and a lot of I, many, many people have told me sales is a kind of a sleazy job. Right. But my belief is this. You can be a dentist, a doctor, an attorney and, and do it in a sleazy way or you can carry yourself with integrity and, and do it in a way that people will, will honor you, you know, and we'll see what you're doing and respect you. Sales can be done exactly the same way. So when you're building rapport and getting to know somebody and then talking about challenges, if you don't truly understand or don't feel uh, align with what you're saying, stop saying it. Just be transparent yeah. because you're going to build trust a lot better and you're, and you're, you're going to feel better about yourself too. The, you, know, you know what the key is to actually being successful at sales? 90% of it, you know what it is? 90%? It's having a victory mindset. A victory sure. mindset, which is, which is this, right? It's to understand that you have infinite and inherent value as a person. You have infinite and inherent value. You were born with it. It's infinite. Nobody can take it away from you. You didn't have to earn it. You have infinite inherent value, but guess what? You, they do too. You're a 10 and they're a 10, but you'll never see it in someone else if you can't see it in yourself. That's the truth. And once you understand that, you start to get away from a lot of the anxieties of the sale and being judged and what they'll think about you. Cause no one can change your value. No one can change your worth. You know, if you see yourself as a 10, others will start seeing you that way too. And you for the first time will see others that way. Also, it'll change the way you treat them, you know, and, and having a victory mindset, which is something I coined. That's my term. Having a victory mindset in sales, you know, also means starting with the end in mind. Like I know how something's going to go before I ever walk into the room. It's because I planned ahead. I know why I'm there, who I'm talking to, what I hope to achieve. Mm -hmm. I already know. I already know what's going to happen. I, I come prepared. You know, just like you show up for, for a football game and you're on the team, you know the plays already. Yeah. You know, but I'm still going to go in there and do it with integrity, do it with honesty, and give it my very best. That's very Sorry, interesting. Sorry, I don't know if I took us down a rabbit trail there, but it's really important to know. No, it's uh, it's very interesting you bring it up. It's kind of like uh, dating, you know, you, you spend some time getting to know each other and, um, you know, then you go in for the ask, right? So uh, it's very interesting. But so, to your point, though, if you're going to if you're going to do business, I'm sorry to cut you off, especially since you're the host, Derek. No, you're fine. Right. But if you're going to do business with somebody out of state, you better know why you're doing business with them. Don't call, just cold call them with no background. If you if you're selling a five dollar widget, maybe you have to. But if you're selling something that has significant value to it, uh, you know, and, and a price tag associated with that high value item, 
do your research, know why you're calling. Yeah. And there's certainly strategies that you can be put into place to be successful, but research is the best thing. Having some type of mutual connection, whether it's an individual that you can lean on, you know, and use what I call social pressure to close the sale or get the sale going, mm -hmm. uh, or a common thread in cause, you know, is something you both hold dear or being in the same industry and sharing common knowledge. There's got to be something that bridges the gap if there's a physical distance. Yeah, very good points. Um, and we're all always selling something, whether that be, you know, trying to uh, acquire a new friend or like I said, dating or whatever. You're always selling something, right? That's it. That's the truth. I call it influence. Yes. We're all influencing at some point in our lives. We're influencing, not yeah. convincing, not persuade. Influence. Big difference. Yeah, there was, um, we had talked about this a little before we started the podcast, but there's a really good book called Influence and it walks you through different examples. Um, and it's influence, it's not, uh, or persuasion, it's not necessarily manipulation. Um, all right, well, let me change gears a little bit here. So yep. we've heard cold calling, we've heard cold emailing. Are these still a thing? Or do you of recommend course. them? So let me tell you how I feel about it. Since, since you asked, um, if you ever send me a LinkedIn message that looks like it was templated, I am never going to respond to it. Yes. I, it's absolutely not going to happen. And if you send me an email that says, how about we talk at 10 o'clock, you'll never hear from me, right? Yeah. You will never hear from me. So the, the, the more and more crafty we get with our emails, and this is just my personal feeling and everyone's entitled to their opinion, they all stink, right? But my personal feeling is that, that uh, email and LinkedIn, as long as it comes off as genuine and it doesn't feel like spam, it could probably be very effective. And, uh, and people probably have varying levels of tolerance. But as soon as something works, so many people jump in and just drill it so hard that we all get burned out from it. Yeah, I agree. Right? That's the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but there's no problem with cold calling. Like I actually have no problem with cold calling as long as you know who you're calling and why you're calling them and that you control the call. Like I actually write scripts for, for places that, that do cold calling. Like I can write you a, a sales script. If we yeah. sat down and I walked through the four steps with you and your four pillars, I can write you a sales script that you can call a hundred people in a row if you want to, as long as you know who you're calling and it will work. I know how to do it. Yeah. But it takes control. It takes control. Yeah, people do business with people. I think when so many people are doing that same thing too, we just automatically tune it out. But um, I, a lot can be said for the guy that takes time to do a little research and and then reaches out. Something funny and while while I was laughing so hard at that was uh, people reach out to me all the time on LinkedIn um, and they're like, "Hey, we have this agency. Would you be interested in in you know uh, offloading some of your development?" Um, at half the cost or whatever and I immediately flip it and try to reverse sell them on like swell or something else Right. I'm like, oh, that's great. You got an agency. We built this for agencies You're the perfect client and they immediately ghost me, but it's so funny Because um, it's probably this automated message that gets sent out to everybody. So very very good points there Well, on um, this is the other thing too. So I thank you for sharing that by the way because I'm having that experience too <laughs> Uh, where either I just know that it's just this super, super cold email or, or there's actually an opportunity that I could do business with them. We could flip the, you know, flip the script on them, which is cool. You yeah. know, that's cool too. This is the other thing is people buy for all types of different reasons. Not everybody buys for, for, for the lowest price. 
Right. Especially if you use the word cheap. Don't ever use the word cheap. Inexpensive. Nothing is cheap. Because if it's cheap, it's also not well-made. Right. Right. Or it's not quality. Use the word inexpensive. But people buy for different reasons. We may both, you and I, go buy, excuse me, buy a Tesla. Mm-hmm. We might buy a Tesla. You know, you may buy a Tesla because you know it's really practical, you know, and the cost of ownership is low over the years once you've made the initial purchase, right? That may be yeah. your motivation. I may buy a Tesla because I want to look super cool in it. Yeah. That may be the reason. Same car, same amount of money spent, same purchase. We bought for different reasons. It means something different to us. Yeah. And that's why I say understand your ideal client and why they're buying. Speak to the thing and speak to the thing that they need and want and not to the product or service. Nobody buys a solution. I mean, nobody buys a product or service. They don't buy features and benefits. They do not buy features and benefits. They buy the end to their pain, their need or want. Yeah. That's yeah. so incredibly important to understand. And this is what it sounds like. You know, if you're, if you're selling to the individual, talk to, talk to the thing that they want. There's actually this company. I use this as an example. There's a company that advertised itself as a, a, the company that will come in and they'll organize your office. Almost like jam organizing. Shout out to jam organizing. Yeah. Right. They're almost like jam organizer. They'll come and organize your office, you know, streamline your space. They'll make everything beautiful. Do you know what 90% of their business is? Wow. Hauling trash. Nice. They don't want to talk about that. It doesn't sound sexy. No. If they advertise, we'll haul your junk out of your overstuffed, you know, office and home. We'll clear the junk out because you're a slob. Like, no, forgive me. No, no one's going to buy. It doesn't yeah. make them feel good. People only want to buy when you make them feel good when you're around. But guess what they realized? They realized everybody would benefit from a clear, streamlined office that makes them feel relaxed. That's only 10% of their business. They make 90% of their, their profit and uh, the vast majority of their work is just hauling trash away. Isn't that beautiful? They understand their, their client. They understand what they actually want and need. They're not trying to sell the, the solution. They're selling the end of their pain. They want to organize space. It's how the sausage is made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that, that is the real business. It gets my wheels turning because as you mentioned that, um, I started thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know, you have a business and you go and you clean office and then all that trash, like you just turn around and flip it on eBay and you're making the double the money for it. Uh, anyways, get my wheels turning. By. That's okay. That's what they're doing though. They're slick. They're smart. Yeah. That is it means smart. to know, know your client. You, if you can see it in your head, you can hold it in your hand, get yeah. it all planned out in your head and, and you can make it a reality, but you got to think ahead. You got to think ahead because I'm seeing companies even now, Derek, that are having successful sales, but when you look at their churn rate, when you look at their churn rate and that they're selling like crazy, but they're not becoming any more profitable, mm-hmm. it's because they really don't understand their, their product market fit. They don't understand their ideal client. They just don't get it. So they're trying to sell more, sell more, sell more, but their attrition's so high. Got a leaky bucket. Yeah, do your homework. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna have a repeatable sales process and that's what I help people cut out that fat because I can see it, you know, and I'm objective enough because I know how, how it works. And I can learn your product or service fast enough. And honestly, you don't need to be an expert in anything. I don't need to be an expert in your business. It's not important. Derek, I love you. You know, I don't know anything about marketing. But if you, if you shared with me your four pillars and I truly understood those, I'm no sales well enough, I could outsell anybody on your team. And it's not an insult to anybody on your team. I love your team. You got a great team there, right? It's just I know the sales process super well. Yeah. So when somebody learns how to do it like that, you can drop them on the moon and they'll be able to sell it. The people in this podcast, you could drop them anywhere in the country and they'll be able to sell. Geographic borders don't matter because human, beha- human behavior is the same. 
We make decisions the same way. There are cultural norms, the speed, the cadence of your, of your language, you know, the way you position products and knowing the social construct, you know, you can't show up late to a Japanese business meeting, you know, but you know, if you, if you're in India, you show up an hour late, it won't matter. You know, knowing some of those social norms are going to be important in sales and Germans, you know, you got to take them out to lunch and not talk about your product for, for a week before you start doing business. It's the truth. And it's okay. If you get past those cultural norms, these four steps are exactly the same, exactly the same. That's awesome. So based on your experience, do you think it's easier to sell in a B2B space or a B2C? And that stands for, uh, for I, watching business to business or business to consumer. Um, I, I don't think it makes a difference. Okay. B2B or B2C makes no difference. It's just that the length of time and the amount of money that, that is generated is different. So normally business to consumer depending on what item you're selling, you know, the sales process is going to be faster. You know, people yeah. buy emotionally. They probably have less people they have to check with, especially if it's a low dollar item. They, if they're going to spend 50 bucks on Amazon, they may not have to ask their wife or their husband, can I buy this? But it, when you're selling business to business and the item is a $100,000 item, you know, you might need a chief operating officer, a CFO or, or practice manager to be able to come and say, yeah, there's multiple people involved. So it becomes a little bit more complex, can get stretched out, but it doesn't really matter from a difficulty standpoint, um, B2B or B2C, because the individual makes decisions exactly the same way. Sales process is same four steps and we could role play. That's another thing that is something I really believe in is role play yeah. because people are like, oh, sure, Dave, tell me whatever you like. Yep. You sound pretty confident, but this is the thing. You can create any scenario you want. Same four pillars, same four steps. I will sell you, and or or guess what? Maybe it won't be a fit, and that's okay. If yeah. it's truly not a fit, I can walk away, or I'll recommend somebody who might be a better fit for you, and that's okay. But we can dance, and I can show you that that the, that the steps are real. Long story short is this: um, it makes no difference as long as you you come in prepared. Yeah. If you're selling yeah. to consumer, you're selling the business. Makes no difference. Same four steps, same four pillars. It's just that because of the dynamics at play, the, the, the dance will be uh, maybe at a slightly different pace. You might have to dance a little bit faster. If you're dancing with business, you might have to dance a little bit slower. The music and the steps are the same. Yeah. And you said something very important just now. Um, you may not be a fit. And that's something that uh, when I first started, uh, when I started my first official business, I was trying to sell and cater to anybody and everybody. And later did I realize like, it's okay to say no. And you really want to work with the people that you're going to add and provide a lot of value to. And when you start deviating from that, you open yourself up to a lot of, uh, of risk and everything. So I think that was very important to kind of touch on. Um, the, you kind of answered this question, but I'll give you an opportunity to kind of expand on it if you want. Uh, does the sales approach change at all, depending on if business to business or business to consumer? And if so, how? Um, I touched on it a little bit, but essentially, um, business to business, there's usually just more decision makers involved. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll see sometimes you'll see this in business to consumer too. Like if you sell insurance, it's pretty common. Um, where if you go to sell insurance and the wife is there, but the husband isn't, but it takes both people to kind of sign off on moving forward. I call that a one leg situation, right? One leg, you need both legs to, to walk out with that deal. You know, in a one leg situation, 
you're better off just canceling the appointment. Say, you know what? Sounds like it's not a good a good time right now. When would be a better time for us to sit down? Yeah. You know, you really should have your husband and wife in the room. So business to consumer, you know, can involve multiple decision makers too. And um, obviously there are a lot more consumers than there are businesses. So depending on, you know, who you're calling on, or, and when I say calling on who you're selling to, um, you may have a much larger crowd if you're business to consumer, especially if it's something everyone quote unquote needs. Yeah. Right? And it, but if you're a business to business, and you sell, your, let's say you're a design agency for uh, nuclear reactors. How many nuclear reactors are there in the world? Like if you're a design engineer, you know, you might, you might have a smaller niche. You may only have 10 prospects. But guess what? If you land two of those 10 prospects, you're going to be, you know, you'll have a golden parachute the rest of your life. Yeah. So just know your market, know where your margins are. Guess what? I already defined this. Your ideal client is fun to work with. You enjoy working with them. They're profitable, mm -hmm. profitable for you to work with. And you, you understand the unique challenges and know how to solve them. That's your ideal client. Perfect. Whether it's business or consumer, it doesn't matter. Perfect. Do you think it's easier to sell a product or a service? Well, that just depends on if you want a client or a customer. Yeah, and maybe a client or a customer. The what's the difference uh, in a client and a customer? That's a great point. Yeah, a customer is a one-off transaction. A client is recurring revenue. That's business for life. That's called a relationship. Anybody can sell somebody one time. Anybody can do that, right? But it takes integrity. It takes investment to create a client. And, and typically, service businesses, you are a client. You don't want to do a service one time. Right. And sometimes with products, you can be, you can be a, a, a client too. But a client means repeatable revenue. That means that means you're going to eat for life as long as you continue to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. You definitely want clients, not customers. But I, clients I, take effort, right? Customers customers take effort too, but not like a client. You want clients if there's any question about it. And I think it's probably it's a, probably a little bit easier to get clients in a service business as long as the service that they're going to repeatedly need. Like for instance, I'm looking outside of my house which I'm working from home on, you know, these days, and I'm ready for another power wash cleaning of my house. So that's a service I'm going to continually need yeah. as long as I live in the South. Right. But there are other things I may not need, you know, that are products. Maybe I buy it one time, like my cell phone. I may not buy a cell phone for a very long time. Who knows? Or a home, for instance, I'll stay in my home forever. So, but um, yeah, you should always aim for a client products, products and services. I mean, it's still a sale. Like you were saying before, influence, the sales process, influence, it's every aspect of our lives. It's, you know, recommending a restaurant, a place to go on vacation, hooking up two people, trying to win the, the job interview, selling a product, selling a service. It's all the same. It's all the same. But always go for clients. And you've seen some companies blend these. Like, for example, if you've got one of those mops that have the, uh, the heads that you have to replace every now and then, well, you're stuck with that product refilling that mop head every three months or every three uses, whatever it is. And just like Amazon subscribe and receive three mop heads every month or whatever. So it's, there's a blend there too. It's really interesting to see um, what people come up with on blending this. Yeah, thing. that's, that's a beautiful point. Actually, that is a great point, but you know how you get to that point is understanding the unique needs of your ideal client. Yep. Know how they think, walk in their shoes, Solve the problems before they even realize they even have them. Show them a better, show them a better future than they knew could exist because you thought ahead. Yeah. Have vision. Yeah. yeah. 
Boom. Um, would you say that people are sold, the way that people are sold to has changed, I guess, over the years? And if yes, how would you say, uh, how would you say that's changed? Honestly, I think the only way that's changed is the way that we communicate with them. The way that we buy has not changed at all. The way we buy, the way we effectively sell, you know, there have been, it's almost like music. You know, we have these different trends through the different decades. Something happened where we had disco in the 70s. No offense to you disco fans. I'm glad it's gone, right? And uh, every, every era has had a different style of music, but same instruments. Yeah. You know, relatively same instruments, different style of music, you know, different way that it's presented. But at the end of the day, the sales process, an effective sales process, it worked back in Zig Ziglar's day. So I'm a student of sales. I've read everything, pretty much everything that's out there on sales. I've read it. You know, and the way I teach is a hybrid of everything I've read. Um, so the way that Zig Ziglar sold, you know, decades ago and uh, David Sandler, the same process works just as well. It's how you communicate it. Yeah. It's how you communicate it. Pre-internet, guess what? We weren't doing online marketing. <laughs> right? So yeah. the way you communicate your message has changed. You know, it used to be a lot of in person. Now it's, over, you know, through the computer. You know, it was over the phone and now it's, you know, Zoom, you know, so the, the way we're communicating our message has changed, but the way we sell, the way we buy, it goes through these weird phases where they try different things and try to tease things out. But at the end of the day, there's these, this core understanding of these four steps. And that's why I take it down to that. I've seen sales processes that are like 19 steps. I'm like, that's absurd. Nobody can learn that. And so I deduced it to four steps and it made it super clean and super, super easy to learn. Um, yeah. Awesome. It's just awesome. the way the message is communicated. Sales has not changed. The way we buy has not changed. It has not changed. Good. Hopefully it continues to not change too much because then I'll be left behind. But um, be fine. I've got a couple more questions for you. This next one's kind of interesting. Um, what I'd like to do is play through an example. So let's say, hypothetically, I have a web design business and uh, you are my salesperson, right? You've got a monthly quota of $50,000 uh, that we need to hit. How are you gonna reach that sales target? Just that general? Okay, no problem. So first of all, I'd factor out, you know, what the average size client is if I need to hit 50,000 in one month. New business? New business or upsells? Or upsells? Oh, upsells, stupid easy. So I, it would depend on the value of the upsell. So if I was upselling them and I had the capacity to get, you know, $10,000 per sale on an upsell, I would, I would chase that business all day long. I already have a relationship with them. It's way easier to cross sell and upsell. And for those that you don't know what that means is cross sell is to give them other parallel products that add value to what they've already bought from you. Upsell is when you take them from the first floor to the third floor. They may have bought the bronze package. You're going to take them to the platinum package because you've identified that they would benefit from it. Hey, John, you, you're John and I'm David. Okay, let's just go with John. I like to do that with role play. Is that fair? Yeah. You want to do yeah. this? Sure. John, John, you've been you know, such a loyal client, right? And we sincerely appreciate you. Thank and you. then I find out what's been new in your world. And I'd say, John, the reason I'm calling you today is because you know that I check in in a regular cadence. You know, I check in every three months to make sure that one, you know, we're not totally screwing it up Two, find out what, what's been working well for you. And three, that I really do do this. And three, how can I set you up for success in the future? I call it the 30 second call. I do this with all my clients. 
So my 30 second call sounds like that. What am I totally screwing up? And I say it like that because it gives them permission to be honest with me. What am I totally screwing up? What are we getting right? And how can I set you up for success moving forward? And then when I get to that third point, I say, hey, John, just wanted to let you know, right? That 10 of my other clients that started out as brawn package, just like you moved up to the platinum a few months ago after we added a few features and they've seen $4,000 return on investment for, for each of those four, three months. And when I saw that you weren't on that package yet, realizing you even more loyal than them, I thought I needed to at least bring this up to you and, and show you what it is, what it's all about. And beans that you just told me that you're looking to be able to grow your presence, it seems like this might actually be a good fit. Nice. Would, you like yeah. to, would you like to take a look at that? It's always on, on you. Would you want, you want to take a look at that? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I like how you, um, you structure the, the beginning on like, what are we totally messing up? I think that's really important to, to, to have that in the relationship, that honesty uh, and give yeah. them that opportunity. Yeah, of course. And, and this <laughs> is the thing. Nobody is going to continue to buy from you if they're not happy. Right. They're not. And, and the way people work, especially in the South here is they'll, they'll, I mean, it depends on where you are, but in general, if someone's unhappy and they're, they're not telling you about it, they're not being transparent, they're probably looking at your competition and maybe moving their business, yeah. right? So while you thought you were getting on the phone to upsell or cross sell them to a package that you genuinely believe will help them. That's the other thing. You have to have a sincere desire to want to help them. If you don't shut it down now, don't even get into sales. Don't call anybody. If you don't have a sincere desire to help them, stop. And I don't even want to teach you, yeah. period. Because this is like an unfair advantage if you know how to do this, if your heart isn't right. But if you yeah. sincerely know that you can bring value and help them, you'll feel good about making that call. And if you start out by asking, what are you totally screwing up? They're going to share with you why they may be leaving or something they don't feel right about. Now you have the opportunity to write the ship. Before you try selling them, write the ship. Mm -hmm. And then check back in with them and say, hey, it's been a week. We took care of that problem that you identified, right? Yeah. How, how's it going now? Are we in better place? Well, yeah. you know what, yeah. when you're ready, one of the reasons I was talking to you before is I want to share with you this new thing that we're doing. We're seeing great returns. And I thought of you, I thought this could be great for you. And I genuinely did. And I thought it would be great for you, but I wanted to make sure we took care of some challenges that were happening. When you're ready to look at this, you let me know. And I'll, let me tell you, they're going to take a look at it. They're like, you know what? Thanks for handling that for me. I'm ready. Let's look at it. Do you see how the, the yeah. dynamic of that conversation? Absolutely. Now, if my quote is $50,000, I just got to close five of those. I just need to know what my sales cycle is. And then I have a repeatable strategy. If it takes me 10 days to close a deal and I have to close five of them, it means I have to have a regular cadence to my follow-up. I have to understand how many touch points. Mm -hmm. Like it's just math. It's just process at that point. That's why you want strategy. If you're always guessing and you're just trying to be a social butterfly, you're going to spend too much time building rapport and not enough time getting the real things that you need to understand so that you can close business. You're going to have these unbelievably long sales cycles for people who may be great salespeople, but they spend too much time building rapport and don't spend enough time in these other processes. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think those are all so excellent points. My quota in my first sales job was 150,000 a month, Derek. Woo. 150 a month. And guess what I was pulling a month? What? 185. What was the ticket price on what you were selling? So uh, they were services. They were between $3,000 and $6,000. Nice. And I, yeah, and I had to sell $150,000 a month to meet quota. And I was regularly at 185 That's awesome. Right? 
Yeah. So I had like a thousand clients and I, I knew exactly what I was doing when I walked in the door. It was like, it was like tying my shoes. Right. So I know that this stuff works. And then after that, I got picked up by a startup because they saw what I was doing and they scooped me up. And that's when I became VP of this health company called a Fortiscan became can to contact my doc. And then eventually I learned enough to just be a consultant. And then a bunch of companies hired me on the side to do some of these same things. That's why I understand healthcare delivery and healthcare. The point being is this, I've had big quotas. Like I know what it means to meet a quota. You need process. You have to understand these four pillars. You have to be, have a repeatable thing in place. You have to have your head right. 90% of sales is managing the real estate between your ears. Manage the real estate between your ears, right? Get a victory mindset, put this process in place. And it's, and it's, and it's like busting out widgets. It becomes much easier. That's right. it. Sorry right. if I came off too strong there, but I really want your people to know that. No, this is great. Um, we're getting close to the end here. And before we jump into the lightning round, is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with as far as a piece of advice? Wow. I, I guess if you came here to learn sales, my piece of advice is uh, be, guard your hearts and minds from what, what you're learning out there because I'm not going to call anybody out because I don't believe in, in saying anything negative about anybody, but I see some of the sales material that's out there and man, I just, I don't, it's, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Uh, I won't call anybody out by name, but I will tell you there's some folks that you should look at. So if you're a startup, you should look at a book that was written by Amos Schwartzfarb, who's the managing partner of Techstars. He has a book called sell more faster. Uh, that's a great book for startups that are looking to figure out that product market fit, something he calls the W3. I would highly recommend you read that. I'd also look at books by Anthony Ainaro um, and look at some basic strategies from David Sandler uh, or look at some things I put on YouTube. I put a couple free videos on YouTube just to help people out. But if you really want to get sharp at sales and you want an honest opinion of what your process looks like, you can email me too. You know, my email, which they'll probably have in this link, is victory sales training at Gmail. Is there something I can do to help you? I will, without even charging you, because I have a sincere desire to see businesses succeed. When, when small businesses succeed, it makes for stronger communities, gives people freedom, you know, and I have a strong desire. And that's the reason I came on this podcast. I have a strong desire to see entrepreneurs who are doing good things for good people, to be successful, have command of their, their life and their freedom, help others to do the same and create stronger more tightly knitted communities. I, I firmly believe in that. And that's why I'm here today. So educate yourself, guard your minds for what gets into your mind, you know, because we're 80% of what we consume, whether it's coming in our mouth, our ears, our nose, or our eyes, right? Put good information in front of you. If you're going to learn how to do this, you know, and look out for your neighbor, yeah. you know, and if yeah. I can help you email me, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, give you as much advice as, as I can. And if you want to bring me in to train your folks, I could potentially do that too, but I just want to see people win when, when we all win. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You can hit me with any questions you want. Yes. Yeah, so let's jump into the sliding round real quick. This is designed to be uh, really fast. All right. So try to answer them as quickly as you can. Um, hopefully you haven't had much time to think about these. What's your favorite quote? Now this is going to sound terrible, but this is my favorite quote. It's people before profit. Okay. What's your favorite book? Um, the Giver mm. by Lois Lowry. What's your favorite hobby? 
I would say kayaking, but I don't do it anymore. I love kayaking. I just don't have the time to do it. Um, so right now it's uh, riding my bike. Okay. Um, what does your morning routine look like? Gosh, wake up anytime I want, which is freaking awesome. That is <laughs> I have awesome. a wonderful life. So I wake up anytime I want. And uh, it's always before nine, though. I'm not like sleeping until noon. Um, I, I pray. I work out. I spend time with my girls before they start homeschool. Um, and then I get showered and put together and I jump into email. That's the way I'm, I did. That's my morning routine. Very nice. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to give you three animals. You have, uh, one of them you're scared of, one of them is a pet and one is your spirit animal. Uh, your animals are llama, orangutan, and squirrel. Wait a second. So, uh, 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 one I'm scared of. Repeat this again, please. Yeah, so llama, orangutan, and squirrel. One of them you're scared of, one of them is your pet, and one is your spirit animal. Gosh. Um, my spirit animal is probably the squirrel. Okay. Because I got to get those nuts, you know what I mean? I, gotta, <laughs> I, mean, it's a, <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, the orangutan. Hmm. I'm probably scared of the... Uh, I don't know. That's a that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. You really threw me off on that one. <laughs> my pet, the pet would be the orangutan, but he'd probably be my friend because they're pretty intelligent animals. Okay, so you're scared of the llama. I'm scared of the llama. Yeah, actually, I am scared of the llama. Have you ever seen those things spit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm scared of the llama. This my spirit animal is the squirrel, and the orangutan is my best friend. And his name is Pete. Perfect. Uh, and then once again, uh, tell everybody who you are and where they can connect with you. My name is David Reeser, and you can email me at victorysalestraining at gmail.com, or you can just Google me because there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. I got a couple of videos on YouTube, and uh, if I can help you, feel free to reach out to me, and I sure hope this podcast is helpful to you. And thank you, Derek, my friend, for uh, bringing me on to the Boot Camp Podcast. And yes, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, David, and uh, we'll catch up after this call. Thank you, everybody. Sounds good.